Beloved listeners, you might recall the poignant story of an American pilot by the name of Mad Mike Hughes. Back in 2020, he launched himself out of the Californian desert in a homemade rocket, hoping to achieve enough altitude to prove at least to himself that the Earth was flat. Sadly, the rocket crashed and Mike perished before he'd seen the shape of the world we lived on, but perhaps that was a kindness. And perhaps we shouldn't mock him, says my next guest, science historian and author James Hannam. James says the concept of the Earth being round is an extremely radical idea. In fact, he thinks the realisation that our planet is a sphere deserves to be considered humanity's first great scientific achievement and he's written a book called The Globe, How the Earth Became Round. James has a physics degree from Oxford, a PhD in history and philosophy of science from Cambridge. Oh, and he's a, a fellow of the Royal Historical Society. So I'm hoping he's well-placed to explore the history of the shape of the world we live in in less than 20 minutes. And I'm delighted he's on the blower from the other side of the world in Kent in the UK. James, welcome. What are the, Thank you very much for having me. What are the earliest records we have showing what shape people thought the world was? Well, obviously, once upon a time, everybody simply assumed that the Earth was flat, and all the earliest records we have from different civilizations bear that out. Uh, for instance, the, the ancient Babylonians, uh, they believed that the Earth was around a, a disk, surrounded by mountains and sea, and that's the, the geography of the world that they set out in, say, the Epic of Gilgamesh, one of their earliest um, pieces of writing that, that we have. Uh, in that, for example, uh, there's a there's a great mountain that Gilgamesh visits, and that mountain is what the sun disappears behind at night, which is why it gets dark, which is uh, obviously something that you, you need to explain if um, you don't think that the, the earth is round. Um, and it's the same with the with the ancient Egyptians, and it's the same also with um our earliest records from the ancient Greeks, uh, the epics of Homer, the Odyssey, and the Iliad, um, which were about as close as the Greeks had to, to Holy Writ. They all assume that the Earth is a disk surrounded by sea, uh, and the sky is a great dome overhead. You say Socrates wasn't all that interested in the shape of the world, but then along comes Aristotle, that's in the 4th century BCE, and he has a stroke of genius that, that changes the way we think about the world forever. Yes, that's right. Aristotle, obviously one of the greatest philosophers of, of all time. Um, and uh, he was working in Athens uh, and he was in contact with the, the best Greek astronomers of the day, in, in particular um, a chap called Eudoxus who travelled widely uh, and Eudoxus had observed um, some surprising things. In, in particular, he, he noted that when he went south, when he travelled south from Greece to Egypt, the stars in the sky that he could see changed. Uh, 
Uh, and in particular, there's one very bright star, which we call Canopus. Um, it's actually the second brightest star in the sky. Uh, and I think it's uh, very often easily visible in Australia, but it's never visible in the UK. It's never visible in Greece. Uh, but Eudoxus was able to see it from Egypt. And that was a very surprising thing, because if the Earth was flat, as basically everybody thought at the time, we'd all be seeing the same stars. So that was that was good evidence that perhaps the Earth's surface was curved, uh, and that the, the the flat Earth uh, theory was was wrong. So uh, Ar was... Aristotle starts putting all these all these threads together, and uh, he has one big problem though, when it came to convincing people that the Earth was a sphere. He had to uh, explain to them why the Earth was round and people weren't falling off. Yes, that's right. Um, naturally, we we assume that downwards is the same direction for everybody. And if you were to tip a flat Earth, everyone would just was just tumble off. Um, and if the Earth is round, the the people on the other side. Um, they need to to actually be able to stick to the Earth. Now, Aristotle, of course, knew nothing about gravity as we understand it. Uh, so what he said was that the Earth is in the centre of the universe and the downwards direction is towards that centre. So everything heavy naturally tends towards that centre. And that explains, firstly, why the Earth is round, because, you know, all, all the matter that's fallen in coagulates naturally into a sphere. And it also explains uh, why people don't fall off this round Earth, because for everybody, downwards simply means towards the centre of the world. You write of, of Aristotle, and I quote, absolute everyone in the world today who knows that the Earth is a sphere knows it indirectly because they've heard it indirectly from Aristotle. Yes, I, I think that's right. And I think it, it needs to be recognised, as you said earlier, as, as being the, the, the first uh, great scientific achievement of humanity to have this really counterintuitive idea that the Earth isn't a flat as it naturally appears to be, but is actually a sphere. And Aristotle really does deserve the credit for discovering that. But Aristotle's uh, contemporaries were not necessarily persuaded. No, not all of them. I mean, a lot of them just thought the idea was crazy. Uh, there were really quite famous Greek philosophers, uh, Epicurus, for example, uh, who, who didn't believe it at all. Um, and uh, Lucretius, uh, who was a follower of Epicurus, uh, was somebody else who continue to insist that the, the Earth is flat. And that, that's actually quite interesting because Lucretius, who, who believed that the world is made up of atoms, uh, who didn't think that the gods had any part to play in the natural world, is often held up um, as being some sort of proto-scientist, one of the more sort of forward-looking of the Greek philosophers. Um, but actually, of course, um, he wasn't entirely forward-looking because he refused to accept Aristotle's evidence and did say that the Earth uh, was actually flat. James, the, the Romans were in awe of uh, Greek thought. It was about the only thing they conceded uh, that someone else was superior to them. What about the Romans? What did they believe about the earth? Well, like everybody else, the, the Romans would initially have assumed that the earth uh, the earth was flat. Uh, but when they, they, they conquered the Greeks, they 
they realized that uh, Greek intellectual life was 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 well ahead of their own. And uh, so Greek thought attracted this great cachet. And uh, rich Romans would send their children off to be educated uh, in in Athens. So I think it made that that made it easier for the Romans to swallow the idea that the Earth is a sphere because they had this slight cultural cringe about the Greeks, and that's what the Greeks by that time had really decided for themselves. So the likes of Cicero and Virgil, they all climb on the spherical bandwagon. Yes, exactly, as we can tell from from their surviving writings. Now, if the ancient Greeks and Romans believed the earth was round, why did that knowledge effectively disappear? I mean, it's generally assumed that by the time we reach the Middle Ages, people thought the earth was flat. You know, the globe had been pricked and it was now back as flat as a pancake, a planetary pancake. Well, it's certainly the case that after the fall of the Western Roman Empire, a, a lot of uh, knowledge from the ancient world was lost. Uh, for example, nobody uh, in Western Europe at that point was able to actually read Greek, so they could only ever read Latin books. Um, and that meant that it had to be it had to be rediscovered. Um, and there were certainly thinkers of the time, uh, the famous polymath Isidore of of Seville, uh, was 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 one example, and he just grabbed together all the knowledge from the ancient world that he could find, and and bundled into into this um, enormous encyclopedia. Uh, but the trouble was that he didn't entirely understand everything that he was reading, uh, and in particular, he did find the idea that the Earth was a sphere was a very strange one. And he's he's very ambiguous about this, and and personally, I don't think he he actually believed it. Uh, so. For a while in the early Middle Ages, there definitely was uh, some some confusion uh, in Christian Western Europe about the shape of the earth. Um, and then along comes the Venerable Bede in, uh, in around 1672. That that's that's right. He he was uh, he was active around about 700 AD, um, and uh, he was he was an English monk and of course very well known for his history uh, of the English Church. And he was the one who set out really unambiguously that the Earth was a sphere, using the evidence which had originally come from Aristotle, which he had learned from a book by a Roman called Pliny the Elder. And he's totally unambiguous about it. He says that the Earth is shaped like a ball. It's not shaped like a shield. It's not shaped like a wheel. And that knowledge was something which spread uh, around the rest of Western Europe, partly because Bede had included it in a book on how to calculate the dates of Christian festivals like Easter, which was terribly important. It's to his considerable credit that Bede never left Newcastle, and as you say, he got his cosmology right for the right reasons. Yes, exactly. Uh, and obviously he is somebody who is, is, is seen as being one of the great scholars of the Middle Ages, uh, and a complete polymath, a historian, uh, a scientist and a philosopher. This is LNL on RN, and I'm talking to uh, science historian and author James Hannam about his new book, The Globe, How the Earth Became Round. Now, you say, and I find this uh, quite extraordinary, that after around 800 AD, we don't find any sign of anyone who was vaguely literate 
believing that the earth was anything other than a sphere. In other words, the idea had triumphed. Yes, I, certainly people in uh, in Europe during the Middle Ages after around that date uh, did seem to believe uh, very strongly that the earth was a sphere. And there's all sorts of um, evidence for that to show that this was something that went beyond um, the, the, the intellectual classes uh, and was something that was quite widely known. Um, for example, uh, in, in medieval poetry, the sort of thing that, that, that the troubadours of France would be performing in, in, in inns and hostels um, has references to, to the earth being spherical. In, in one poem, um, there's an event where Alexander the Great is uh, presented with, with an apple, uh, and he says to himself, well, this, this apple is a symbol of the world that I'm about to conquer. So obviously the people who were listening to that would have known that the earth had to be round to stand for the apple. The orb is also pops up, of course, in the recent coronation of, uh, of the new king. And that orb represents the earth. And I guess the, it's got that cross on top to represent the power of the, his majesty. Absolutely, yes. And, and that orb had, had been used at coronations uh, really from the, from the very start of the Middle Ages. There's a, um, a great uh, scene shown in the, in the bio-tapestry of uh, King Harold being crowned, probably in Westminster Abbey, uh, and he is holding an orb of exactly the kind that King Charles III uh, received earlier this year. And, and you would think that... Uh, if people in the Middle Ages had thought that the the Earth was was flat, they wouldn't be presenting their monarchs uh, with an orb that represented his power on Earth. They'd present him with a dinner plate instead. Now it's time to discuss Christopher Columbus, and uh, we're all taught that Christopher Columbus, uh, you know, believed the world was flat and uh, etc. But you argue that this is a misread of history that. The people who were backing Columbus didn't believe the world was flat, but they thought it was much, much bigger than Columbus comprehended. That's right. I mean, in common with everybody else at the time, Columbus and the people who were opposing him were well aware that the, the Earth was a sphere. But there was a question of, of, of how big it is, and Columbus didn't think it was nearly as big as it actually is. And as a result, it was feasible for him to sail directly from Spain to effectively Japan, which is where he was trying to get to, because he thought Japan was roughly where uh, we see Florida on, on today's map, something which he possibly could uh, sail in, in, in a single voyage. Um, so when he actually arrived um, in the Caribbean, um, he assumed he'd arrived in the Indies, that's to say in Asia. Uh, and that's how the the name, uh, the West Indies, um, has still stuck uh, with with the Caribbean, even their cricket team, of course. <laughs> and you've got to say that if if Columbus had had been uh, not so lucky that that the Americas had intervened, if it had to sail all the way to Asia in one go across the Atlantic, across the area of America, across the Pacific, he never would have made it. Did we have to wait to Newton? to get an idea of the size of the world. Well, as it happens, the, the ancient Greeks, uh, an ancient Greek called Aristothenes, did have a, a very accurate um, estimate of, of the size of the world. 
Uh, it's just that uh, there were other estimates available and Christopher Columbus um, didn't believe them, uh, whereas everybody um, everybody else um, assumed that Aristosthenes was correct, that was a received figure. Columbus got another figure from uh, another ancient Greek thinker called Ptolemy, uh, and he decided to believe that one because that was the one that justified him setting out on, on his voyage. Uh, but I think it was uh, when we started to to actually circumnavigate the world ourselves, that's when uh, the, the size of the Earth really did become apparent. Let's now go to the other side of the world, to China. What was the view in Imperial China? Well, the Chinese had a, had a very simple theory. They said that the heavens are round and the Earth is square. Uh, and they imagined that the Earth was a... A, a a flat square, uh, perhaps with a with a um, some sort of uh, protuberance on it um, at at the North Pole, uh, and this was very important to them. The symbolism of the Earth being square, uh, and they used it, for instance, when they wanted to create a microcosm of the Earth when they were designing a city, when they were uh, organizing the way that fields were um, supposed to be laid out um, around around a village. So unlike perhaps in the West, the, the shape of the earth had um, really quite a lot of cultural significance in China. We know that uh, there was a time when science and the Roman Catholic Church were not on good terms, but uh, the Jesuits have an important role to play, don't they, in, uh, in changing the Chinese mind? Yes, that, that's right. Uh, I mean, I would challenge a little bit the idea that the Catholic Church and, and, and science were, were uh, not in good terms in the Middle Ages, although obviously there was the, the case of Galileo. But the Jesuits were, were very much uh, supporters of science. Um, and when they turned up in China in the, in the 16th century, uh, they were obviously they wanted to convert the Chinese to, to Christianity, um, something that they, they, they failed uh, pretty much totally on. Uh, but they thought that uh, using up-to-date European science and astronomy would be a, be a great example uh, of what they said was the superior Christian um, ways of thinking. So they introduced the the evidence that uh, the the Earth is round to um, to China, and um, they were subjected to some some tests about how well they could say predict eclipses and and other astronomical phenomena, which did convince. Um, well, the emperor of China for a start, that actually they probably were right about this. Um, so the emperor kept the Jesuits around as his pet court astronomers <laughs> to, to do his astronomy and make his calendar for him. Flat Earth societies uh, first emerged in the 19th century, and there's still a couple. I know I made contact with them uh, a few years ago. What's going on there? You seem to believe that this just sort of uh, again the government... Well, I think in the 19th century, the there were two things which caused uh, people in, in the West, where everybody knew that the Earth was 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 spherical, to to argue it was round. Uh, the first was that uh, they were reading their Bibles in a very literalistic way, and the Bible was obviously written uh, before anybody, um, including Aristotle, knew that the the uh, the Earth was. Was was spherical, so the Old Testament just assumes that that the Earth is flat because that's what everyone thought at the time. Um, but if you were to to read that Bible as a scientific textbook, which uh, we don't think is a very good idea, um, and take that very literalistic, literalistic view, 
um, you would, uh, I suppose, have to insist that the Earth was, was flat. Uh, and there's that anti-authoritarian view as well, that, that people were just sort of, these people were just sort of unwilling to tell them what they had been taught, that they said they were they were thinking for themselves. Um, but of course, almost everybody in Victorian England um, were Christians, and uh, almost everybody thought that the the few flat earthers that were around at the time were, were, were completely crazy. They had a singular lack of success. And those surviving members are still, well, I guess they'd be, they'd embrace other conspiracy theories. Yes, that that that's right. And I mean, there there are, as you say, various uh, kinds of, of of flat Earth society. Uh, but the main flat Earth society uh, in 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 the US um, that was effectively refounded by by a, a gentleman called Charles Johnson, whose his wife Marjorie was actually an Australian who came over to the states in the nineteen forties. Um, and she absolutely rejected the idea that Australia was down under um, and claimed that everybody in Australia thought the earth was flat, but I'm sure that was not the case at the time. Um, there's another flat earth society which was also um, founded by an Australian, a chap called Leo Ferrari, who moved to Canada. Um, but for him, it was just a huge, great practical joke, and he ended up having to close it down um, because people started to take it seriously. <laughs> oh, James, what an extraordinary story, and thank you for coming on the programme to tell it. My guest has been James Hannum, science historian and author, and his new book, highly recommended, is The Globe, How the Earth Became Round, and it's published by Reaction Books. Stream any ABC radio station live and on the go. Discover new podcasts, music and audiobooks, all free on the ABC Listen app.